Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Looney Tunes podcast. I am your host, Mark Hallam, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt. And, you know, since last week we had so much fun talking about something that Pepe Le Pew wasn't in, let's talk about some things that Pepe Le Pew was in. <laughs> it's that simple. Yes. That's the whole reason we're doing another Pepe Le Pew episode. It's for... It's... It's to give Pepe Le Pew his flowers that he doesn't the, the, smell like. No, that he kills. Because he's a scum. He kills the flowers immediately. Um, and I know that a lot of people who follow the podcast are very big fans of Pepe Le Pew, even to the point where it concerns us. Um, we, while we, in the past we've covered Pepe Le Pew and we've, we've been blunt and we've been, you know, realistic on the fact that this is a, a skunk that, um, you know, likes to throw himself at women. But, you know, well, we figure that when we do this one, as well as, like, you know, because we did our, our Speedy Gonzalez second one, and we reassessed it, and we're like, well, you know, this means a lot to some people, and this has been reappraised, and therefore we don't need to be completely as blunt about this. And here, while we're still kind of blunt, we're at least able to take these cartoons at face value, and, you know, not completely pan, although one of them is worth panning. So we're going to be somewhat analytical and somewhat... Like, you know, non-partial. Although, you know, it is very weird that people, you know... I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to say something controversial, but, like, you know... I mean, listen, I'll, I'll say this. You can have an opinion on Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. You can be passionate about Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. But don't make a passion on anything, honestly. Don't have it be... Your life. Yeah. Like, you know, have other, you know, be invested in other things besides Warner, besides Warner Brothers' treatment of Pepper the Pew. Because I can tell you right now, Warner Brothers isn't caring about a lot of things right now. And Pepper the Pew is like number 60. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and look, I'm not going to just threaten the furry community of our podcast listeners, but I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, it's it's, it's a cartoon skunk. All right, fine. It's a cartoon skunk. And there are people online that go, oh my God, look at all Snookums. He's got a face and his nose. And I'm like, well, it's a, car- it's a drawing of a skunk. What do you want me to say? You know? Yeah. Like... So anyway, what are we so, covering? So yeah. <laughs> So the shorts we're covering are Sentimental Romeo. Two cents. <laughs> Two worth. cents. Sorry, sorry, I, I, I lost, I lost my place. Two cents worth, followed by Louvre. Come back to me. Yes, that's correct. Those are the names of the cartoons. Um. And and these these go from varying portions of Pepe Le Pew's career with Warner Brothers. That includes the very early era when they were just uh, spinning him off into a major character after for sentimental reasons. You have the mid range of his career, and then you have the very end of the WB unit. And yes, believe me, we will get to uh, 
how that one goes, but um, we should probably cover the uh, the early one. Yeah. The first short tune we're covering here is Sent Emmental Romeo. It came out on March 24th, 1951. Regards what happened on that day, Dougie Thompson, the Scottish bassist for the group Supertramp, oh. was born on this day. Oh, wow. A, a group I listened to. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's funny. Well, well writes and yeah. all those, all those good songs, just... including Dreamer. Yeah, including Dreamer, which we um, talked a lot about in our um, in our episode on Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, now, the thing about Supertramp is, and I just have to check how long Thompson was in the band, but yeah, he was in there for a while. So the whole thing was that Supertramp comes down to basically two guys, Rick Davis and Roger Hodgson. Uh, Thompson was in the band from the peak of the period, you know, from from like, you know, from Crime of the Century, which in my opinion is their fa- their best album, through the breakthrough, through the breakup, and he stayed with the band when it became... Uh, Rick Davis's band in the late 80s when it became a jazz pop fusion band that did an album on the Cold War called Brother Where Are You Bound, which is a very weird album. And after a couple albums of that, he said, you know what, this is pointless. So um, he left. But yeah, you know, pretty big piece of a pretty nice band. Right, so this short is Pepe Le Pew's first appearance in the Merry Melodies series of cartoons. Yeah, and there's also Pepe's first cartoon made during the 1950s. It's a new decade, and Pepe Le Pew is there. Am I right to assume this was the first one they did after sentiment, for Sentimental Reasons? Because I think it is. I mean, that's here. Forty. I mean, I mean, sentimental was forty nine, so yeah, I'd say so. I'd say it was probably. You know, I'm just gonna click on his profile here. Profile. Pepe Le Pew. Age forty eight. Um, Is in an area yes, near you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for sentimental Romeo was the very next cartoon after uh, for sentimental reasons. So the character was hot. Don't, don't, don't take that out of context. Um, <laughs> it's right there. Sorry. It's right there. Uh, so, um, Cinema Romeo, like, we don't, I can't say like all of these because um, that's interesting how there's different people, but uh, all three were directed by Chuck Jones. Yes. And this one, was written by Michael Maltese. Yes, it was. And it's the only one here that is. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, our cartoon begins in Paris. Mm-hmm. Because it worked good the first time. Yeah, it did. And, and in some details, I like, hear how, like, even the popcorn is French. Like, how the machine operates is French. That's how French the short is. And we're introduced to our... First setting, which is the France Zoo, yeah. or Le Zoo. There's a lot of Le in front of stuff. Yes. There's a lion. Yes. And I love how the lion goes, Le Roar. Yeah, there's very something There's something very silly about all the animals, especially the birds going, Le, whatever noise they make. It's 
again, it's early in this character's run, but they're getting the the, the goofiness of the French down very early. And you know, we have, we have our our zoo employee feeding the lions. A cat is following him, who is Penelope. Mm-hmm. And no, oh, Penelope wants wants that meat. Again, do not <laughs> take that out of context. <laughs> as you know, the play is like, I am sorry, Pussycat. This meat is for the, the animals. Go away. As Penelope looks at, at a cage that says, Le skunk, and goes, Aha! So, the cat, and this is something that I do like about yeah, this. Yes, same. In the previous short, in the previous short, the cat accidentally, actually, in a lot of the Penelope cartoons, yes. the cat accidentally turned to a skunk, and this one, it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Not by accident or pure circumstance, which changes things up just enough. Yes. So, uh, so the employee is like, "Oh no, there's a skunk here! Back in the cage, you! Here's the meat!" <laughs> As you know, gets nice shot of Penelope eating the meat behind, and we see a tree behind her. <laughs> As Pepe Le Pew wakes up, and it has a full entrance because he's a star. Yeah, he is a big star. So he gets a full entrance. As he realizes, ah, Fatal Skunk. Rendezvous, no? Yes, and starts speaking, and then and he does his shtick, you know. He does shtick. Uh, one line I like here is like, I whisper sweet nothings, sweet somethings. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. And this cracked me up because he's like, ah, yes, the rendezvous. As he pulls down <laughs> a sh- like, like a set. He pulls down like a house set. He has a dining room set that he just has at any whenever he wants. He just has that on standby for this very instance. Did, did he go over that with the zoo? Ah, uh, yes, you <laughs> see. Um, my exhibit, it could be like a coyote. Mm. However, I would like pull down shades of a typical household. Why? You know, full of loving. Ah, fine. Oh, clearly, our our fine. jail doesn't. Our clearly, our zoo doesn't have enough standards. We might as well. <laughs> so, he just has a record play. Like, puts yes. plays out a record that he's he's singing this French ditty as he's um getting the champagne open. I love, like, I love Pep Penelope's faces as he's pouring the champagne. Oh my god! Yeah. I love, I love that she, he, he runs to the window and just Peppy going, ah, so she's afraid of herself. Well, I suppose that's one way of saying she wants to, to, wants to off herself. Well. She's afraid of herself. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. And I also like the confines of this dining room set. Like, Penelope's scratching her way to get through the, the rock face or... Or, or running out and revealing the rest of the enclosure. I like that we see the limits of this and how much of a set it looks like compared to, you know, actual rooms they animate and draw. Yeah, so Perry's like, well, guess is off to the chase as he as he gets free of the zoo to, uh, to chase Penelope. There's this very nice gag here with a pool. Very easy, you know, Pepe skunk gag where the rings of the poodle shoot up. As as the poodle like runs this. off with his fur going up behind him, and <laughs> and Peppy says here as he as he's 
finally says, Yoo-hoo, rabbits. <laughs> Wrong cartoon, man. No, no, a different one. Can you imagine a Pepe Pew cartoon with bugs? Oh, my God. Yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. It's like, yes, that would be. Bugs teaches him about consent. Which, I mean, yes, that would have been the scene in, in Space Jam, but, you know. And I love and I love this, just because Penelope has a mallet, and she's ready. Pepe comes, hits Penelope, hits Pepe with the mallet, and just goes... Flirt. Flirt. It's great. <laughs> like, yes, that's how flirting works. Sure. Uh-huh. I wouldn't know. I don't flirt. I, I can't. I, I don't know what the no. hell flirting is. No. <laughs> nope. So, I then wrote down here, ah, no, there's a tunnel of love. Yeah, that worked really well in the, um, the, the Ascent of the Matterhorn one. But, um, but it actually works great here because you just... It does. The reveal of Pepe kissing a frightened male passerby, that is a great reaction. He just looks horrified. Yes. As well as just, you know, the, he realizes who it is and just goes, and what is the meaning of this, monsieur? And the guy, having just been embraced by a male skunk, just mechanically walking off the boat and joining the Foreign Legion under, I assume, its don't ask, don't smell policy. <laughs> I I died laughing at this man. It was so and good. I did. Just... It was so good. <laughs> it just worked so, so goddamn well. Just the, the expression of the guy's face, Pepe just adoring the, 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 the figure. So damn funny. God damn it. So Penelope climbs on top of a of a of a building, I presume some like roof uh, structure. As Pepe the Pew is revealed to be there, he has a corn cop hat on as he starts singing Babyface. Yeah. There. Mary Melody's title given. He's singing a song. It's a Mary Melody now. Yep. <laughs> baby face. You got the cutest little baby face. There's not another one could take your place. Baby face. I didn't need a show. Oh no. Cause I just fell in love with your pretty baby face. But I, I liked this. I mean, there's something fun, funny about just the randomness of just baby face. And again, he, Mel does really well just singing this as Pepe. I, I just like the, I didn't need a show. Oh, no. <laughs> God bless Mel Blank. Ah, uh, yes. So... So, so Beverly gets free. She, she jumps down. And she runs across town. She leaps and runs across town. As as once again, Pepe is just there. And they start doing a dance. Because Pepe's a sap romantic. I like the timing. And Penelope sees there's um, uh, a mallet. Or not, not a mallet, like a club. Right out of view, so she dances towards the the um the club, gets it, hits Pepe <clears throat> on the head, and, and this is a sequence I, I've seen before. I don't know where but I've seen this moment before, where you know he, she hits Pepe on the head, and he you know, gets knocked he gets knocked around a bit, and he sees three Penelopes, 
And I love the line, what in, you in the middle, you can stay, the rest of you, another day. No, no, I like that it was, that the specific thing was, the one in the middle may remain. <laughs> I like that that wording of it. It also demonstrates that while Peverly Pugh is a lover, he's not doing a no more than twentois. I completely butchered that. Menage a trois? Damn. Yes. Yes. That's what I meant. He's out into that scene. He's a one-woman man. Yes. <laughs> well, given the choice. No. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry it just came over me suddenly. Troy. You have no reason to be here, Troy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from some... Uh, oh man! And the the short ends with Pepe just gets sent back to the zoo, and he's like, "Oh well," or something. It's like some line that is yeah, first, it's, like, it's like, "I will fight another day." Yeah, it's, it's, it's a thud of an ending. So this short has some great gag work. Uh, the story is very simple, but that's fine. You know, the, these are always more gag focused than story based. I do like how, for once, Penelope isn't accidentally turned into a skunk. Instead, it's just a way to get food gone wrong. Yeah. Which is a very, like, classic loony plot line that, that really fits. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And the tunnel of love gag oh my God, is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, pretty good Pepe Le Pew cartoon, honestly. Uh, similar to the debut, a little bit similar to a little bit too similar in times. With some new elements thrown in, I like the setting. I like that you have so many different things to do. Some pretty good gags in this, some variation upon the initial concept. Um, not perfect, and too much of it is run down by some usual Pepe shtick, but um, I like this one. Yeah, I'm giving this four out of five anvils. All right. Uh, well, I had it at three point. You know what? Yeah, this does deserve a four. I'm giving it a four out of five. Um, oh. You know. I, again, a lot. Listen, this would honestly be a three point five out of five for me, but that tunnel of love gag did a lot of the yeah. did give it more up up for me. Yeah. So th- th- that's why it's four out of five yeah. for me. Yeah, and again, <laughs> maybe we just you know maybe it's just the character itself that's weighing us down. But Pepe Le Pew cartoons aren't all bad, like as evidenced by this next one, which is Two Cents Worth. Uh, That one came out on October 15th, 1955. Uh, The only decent on this day I could find is that uh, Tanya Roberts, um, who was the Bond girl in A View to a Kill, which was Roger Moore's last James Bond movie, was born on this day. Uh, You ever seen A View to a Kill? (laughs) I know Duran Duran did the song Yes, they did, and it's a great song. And that's... And that's the one with Christopher Walken. Yes, right? Christopher Walken plays the villain. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's Christopher Walken and Grace Jones as the two villains. And now that's a combo if I've ever fucking seen one. And it's it's a very it's not one of my favorites. It's a very bad one. And Tanya Roberts plays the Bond girl, and she basically spends most of the movie shrieking oh James and not doing anything useful. And it's not her finest um, hour. And in what way does she say, oh, James? Oh, she's in danger. She's not getting... 
Get your mind out of the fucking gutter. Oh, oh. She's she's in danger. So the room's on fire or whatever. It's not her getting getting fucked. Alright, that's a view to a kill. A view to a kill. Not one of the better Roger Moore ones. And not one of the movies on the streaming service H No! No! <laughs> no, it's probably on uh is that one of the ones that's on Paramount Plus? I forget. It, it's somewhere if you want to watch it. But not on HBO. <laughs> oh, Max. <laughs> All right. If you're doing this, then we have to do... Uh, Amino Kill is not currently on streaming services such as... HBO Max. <laughs> and... Netflix. And, of course... <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Holy. Anyway, so two cents worth. So I thought you said Chris Hemsworth. All right, two cents worth. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, written and directed by Chuck. Yeah, Chuck Jones directs this. He also wrote it. So yeah, that's interesting. I don't have a lot of other info on this one. Uh, all the other specs are pretty much the same. This is. In the middle of the golden age, Mel Blanc is here. Mel um, Franklin does the score. Okay, getting into it. This takes place in a small village in France. And we get this from some very un, on-the-nose subtitles. Like, it's, 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 you know, the France, a village in France. And the, the, this village is Nasty Pass. The village of Nasty Pass. Eh... <laughs> uh. I like that reveal. So, what's great about the first couple of minutes of this cartoon is that they all happen without dialogue. So, we get the sort of goings-on in this town where, you know, a crook goes down to the fishmongers and goes back up to his apartment, then goes down to rob a bank. And it's all without dialogue. We see it through windows or down back alleyways, and it's all silent, pretty much. And you get little gags here and there, like the specialty of the fishmonger's place is seahorse derbs, which, <laughs> that's a pretty silly gag. But, yeah, no, the whole thing is that we just see our lead crook um, lure Penelope up to his apartment with fish, then paint a white stripe down her back and bring her downtown, uh, where he throws her into a bank, clears all the people out because they think she's a skunk, and then robs it. And I think that's actually a pretty cool plan. And again... We see all the scenery and milieu of this French village. It looks great. It's it's very well worked on, well animated. We just see lots of great shots. And this is a really good setup to this cartoon. Um, And then, of course, we lose sight of Penelope because we have to introduce Pepe. And so we have Pepe come across, and the crook's like, oh, no, you already did your part. And then... There's an excellent music spike upon the crook realizing he's run into Pepe rather than Penelope. I like he literally sprints into a jail cell. That's great. Ah, oh, man. Did you ever smell something so bad you just took yourself com completely to jail and threw away the key? Um, I think R. Kelly did once. Um. Oh! Um, now, I will say, I will say in regards to, to this opening, um, I, I thought it... I thought it was kind of done in a way to get rid of our setup. You know, okay, yeah. we have to wear the setup. How we do it? Uh, he smells. He smells 
Le Pew, so he goes to jail, and now we can focus yeah. on Le Pew and Penelope. Yeah. Which all Pepe cartoons are. I just feel that other Pepe Pew cartoons did a better job in handling the transition from setup to the short proper. I, I think this was still kind of smooth because, again, well, because once you get the crook out of the picture, you have Penelope coming out of the bank, and you pan up to see a small Pepe seeing her from afar and hearts springing it in. Like... Again, this cartoon in the first couple minutes is great with nonverbal reactions. And again, this, the lead-in, in my opinion, was a lot simpler than usual, even though it does have the bit that, that takes the crook out of it, because obviously if the crook were in the rest of this, then it wouldn't be as fun, as we're going to learn in the next one. <laughs> mm. um, but yes, uh, obviously Penelope is caught up to by Pepe, and it's the usual Pepe shtick. Uh, it's what you'd expect. It's he's doing his thing. I, you know, it all blurs together for me. Um, oh, I, I loved because he's like, "Hi, I am Pepe Le Pew." I love the confidence of your lover. Oh, but pardonnez-moi, but permit me to introduce you myself. I am Pepe Le Pew, your lover. Come on, you know me. Come on, your lover. Oh, we're peaking in this episode. Uh, (laughs) Apologies to audio editor Mark for getting to this later. Um, You fucking jerks! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, and of course the chase begins. And I noticed the usual Pepe hopping noise is pitched up a bit in this one. Um... It's it's usually it's it's like the you know, but it's, it's it's almost like 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 it's been sped up a little bit and it's a different pitch entirely. Again, not as bad as what we're getting on the next one, but you know, it it's you know. So you get this again more of the really good scenery in this bit where Pe- Penelope's running up a mountain and going to get like going for a cable car to get away from from Pepe. This this part of France just looks really cool. <laughs> And the the animators and scenic designers did really well in establishing this world. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting camera angles. Yeah, in, in this because they're outside because there's, yeah, just just with angles and with how how they do the chase. It's not just a simple <clears throat> static shot. They they do they do different things with the camera that makes it a lot more interesting to look at. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and so we obviously we get. <laughs> I got a laugh out of this. Pepe showing up in the cable car as a conductor, motioning to the fair five cents sign and going, all is fair in love and war, eh, darling? Like, he knows it's a goofy pun. He's just having... It, same energy as I have something to share with you. <coughs> also, um, right before the chase, I, I'm sorry to jump back Oh, a yeah, of bit, course, yeah. But there's a line where as soon as Pepe runs away, Pepe looks at the camera and goes, uh, I'm not just into her physical attraction. I'm into her mind, too. Hmm. See? Hmm. Even progressive, even then. Don't don't take that line too seriously. No, of course not. At ease. At ease. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, we, we entered the cable car. Yeah, and so that's <laughs> and, a goofy um, bit. Obviously, that doesn't last. And again, as Pep, as Penelope runs towards the the ski jump, Mel's lines as Pepe sound distance, like he's like he's further away from the mic. I always like when that happens. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> he is so far away from the mic. Yeah, I love in that. that one. Yeah. Hey, Charmaine, wait for Pepe. 
and then of course you have like the whole rest of this, which is you know Penelope on one ski, and then Pepe coming back to her, um, coming and the shot of Penelope going down the slope on one ski backwards is frigging awesome. Yeah, and so you get this little chase scene in in midair as well, and so you get, and I thought this was very silly, Pepe. Going, navigator to pilot, pretty girl at three o'clock, over. That's just a Snoopy line. <clears throat> oh, my favorite line of this whole thing is, pilot to navigator. Pepper the Pew making cat calls shouldn't be as funny as it is. Yeah. God damn it. Somehow it's working. It is. And I also just love the timing. He says... Yeah. Of as they're both in midair, Pepe just slams into a tree randomly. <laughs> it's always gonna get me. Um, and Over Roger, we cool, we cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> and the animation in this sequence of Penelope bouncing down the slope, Pepe scaling the tree branches is all really damn good. And it just gets oh into God, a full yeah. chase where. The music in the sequence where they're both sliding down the hill is there's a different motif for each of them as they pass. And then the cutaways of Penelope frantic to get away and Pepe lounging as he gets closer are great. This is well-timed, well-animated, well-scored. Even if it is a Pepe Le Pew cartoon, it's just going really well. And then we get this ending, which I actually really liked, where um, the momentum... Because Penelope is literally on the edge of a cliff and Pepe runs into her and, and sort of runs them both off the cliff. But as they fall, Pepe is equipped with a parachute, saying a true gentleman must be prepared for anything. So it's sort of a happy ending because she doesn't die and they get to be together. Yeah. Hopefully, 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 Penelope's okay with it. But you know what? Think, We're at the end of the cartoon. Yeah, I think she, she seemed okay with it. I mean, he saved her life. Yes. You know, you know who else saved someone's life who they thought they were dying? Who? Kathy Bates in Misery. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Fair. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Um, okay. Uh, I think this one is great. I love the animation throughout, especially during the skiing sequences. A great different kind of setup and different ways of Penelope making a getaway that make the best of the scenery. I like the little ways they go above and beyond the usual Pepe formula and making this look great, sound great, feel great. It's obviously hampered by being a Pepe Le Pew cartoon, but I like this a lot. I think I, I even like this one better than the last one. Yeah, some very good bits in here. I, I, I found a bit of a slow start, but yeah. the energy in this throughout was very well paced. Yeah. Um, I... I really, I really like Pepe Le Pew in this. Actually, yeah. like, I really love the, the material they gave him in this cartoon. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I like this on equal footing as the last one. So, uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, I'm giving it a four out of five. I like it a lot. Same. Cool. Same. Also, in this, a four out of five animals. Amazing. I was worried you'd, you'd, um, you'd um, give it something like a three, but no, it, we're, we're doing good. No, no, no. All right. No. We've said enough nice things. Let's um. <sighs> okay. So, the next, the final short here is Louvre, Come Back to Me. Yes, it is. Came out on August 18th, 
1962. 18th? I got the 16th. Hang on. Oh, really? Hang on. One moment, please. Oh, it's the 18th. I can't read. Let me just double okay. check one thing. <laughs> I'd gotten this far without being able to read. Uh... Yeah, all right. The thing I had was from two days earlier, and therefore a lot cooler than what was on this day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hon. You said what you were going to have was cooler than on August 18th, 1962, yeah. Peter, Paul, and Mary releases their first hit, If I Had a Hammer? Yes, absolutely. Um, no, with apologies to Paul Stuckey, who we talked a lot of great things about when we did our Seven Arts episode on Norman Normal. Um... I mistakenly entered in August 16th, 1962, and got, uh, because that was the day that the Pete Best was replaced by Ringo Starr as drummer for the Beatles, and, oh, and that was the oh. day that Steve Carell was born, so, oh, shit, so, yeah, there's a better day, so, but again, I can't read, well, at least nothing else could get me angry. No. Anyways, <laughs> this short was directed by Chuck Jones and Maurice Noble. Yes. Written by John. John. Yeah. Done. And David DePatty has production <gasps> credit. Oh. But it and again, I. I, I say I hate this era. I don't hate this era, but it's the freaking era where they still put the Lean Tunes rings on the shorts. So you're thinking, oh, this could be really good. And then it's it's a freaking, it's a early 60s short and like everyone's half-assing It's it. literally a John Dunn jump uh, scare. It's like, oh, 60s, it's going to be, oh, John Dunn. Oh, no. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so this is the final theatrically released. Dunnamarink. Thank you, thank you. This is the final naturally released short to star Pepper Pew, Penelope, and Claude Katz in the golden age of American animation. That's Claude? Okay, yeah, sure. 
Sure, that's Claude. The yellow cat from the... Yeah, sure, that's Claude. It's not Claude. Alright. That's not Claude. Oh, oh, he's Pierre in this short. Yeah, maybe it's because it's a different cat that isn't Claude. Claude. It's not Claude, guys. Jesus. Anyways. um, So, yeah. We... This short appeared in Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. We watched... This, so we this is our second time watching this short and Jordan I don't know about you but rewatching this short reminded me oh yeah this is a very good yeah <laughs> this is a John Dunn short all right they're eulogizing John Dunn so they might as well do one of his shitty cartoons he wrote um but he was one of the best writers we ever had. One of the funniest people I ever wrote with. Funnier than Michael Maltese, Warren Foster, or Tre- or uh, Ted Pierce. Who are these fucking people? They're nothing compared to John Dunn. Um, <laughs> go to hell. Um, <sighs> also, and this is interesting, and I don't know how many other Pepe Le Pew cartoons this was the case for, but... Julie Bennett has an uncredited voice role as Penelope and as one other person. So instead of Mel Blanc doing the usual Penelope muse, it's Julie Bennett. And it's different. Yeah, but, you know, it's nice to... It's nice to have a woman in the recording studio, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, our short begins with... Every, once again, we're in Paris. Pepe has never left Paris except for like once or twice, I think. But, you know, it's Paris. And, um, you know, Pepe's... Uh, well, actually, we get a feature a starring Pepe Le Pew credit. He yes. gets his own card. That's where we were in this era. We were doing starring Pepe Le Pew. Maybe not starring Bugs, but starring Pepe Le Pew. That's what people are clamoring for. <laughs> we... We, we used to be a proper uh, union. Yeah, yeah. We used to be a, 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 a better society. We had the few title cards. God damn it. Um, so anyways, so we're in Paris. And um, no, he's, he's walking through Paris. And his stink is messing up everything. He walks by these two blue birds. Who, after they sniff Pepe Pew's stink, they fall onto the ground and... And all I wrote down here was, oh, look, it's Twitter after Elon bought it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, that just brings me to, Elon really is the Pepe Le Pew of tech CEOs, now that yes, I think about it. definitely. Um, and, again, like, it's, a lot of this cartoon, especially a lot of the beginning of this cartoon, just has a lot of Pepe passes things and we see what happens gags. Like, you know, the, the birds falling to the ground beak first, the fucking chair the couple sitting on galloping away. Oh, that was weird. I, I liked that. That was weird. The girl, the guy's lifting up, deflating. I mean, but let's be clear. These are definitely some late 50s, early 60s Looney Tunes stylizations for these characters. So it, de- it definitely feels like a Patty era cartoon. So they get introduced to the cats. Penelope and... Claude. What the fuck is his name? Claude or whatever. Pierre. Sure. Who cares? Uh, he's not funny. Who cares? Yeah, he's not funny um, at all. As, um, you know, the, each of the cats get knocked out. And Penelope gets so knocked out, she jumps up to the air, hits a white, a wet paint p- 
pole fence and falls, and now she has the stripe on her back. Yes. What are we going to do? Uh, <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Well, you see. <laughs> you, well, now you see. Uh, Pe- Pepe is going to find oh, his cat. Really? And be like, oh, no, no, no. Mmm. Cherie, this is my first affair, but please be kind. Which, okay. Yeah. I noticed that Penelope looks a little different in this one. Uh, she has yeah. a different hairdo to make her look more feminine. What did people complain? Oh, it's, it can't be a gay skunk. No, no, we'll make her more feminine. <laughs> uh, that would be bad. Um, Julie Bennett voices her. Some, sometimes some of her uh, reads take me out of it a little bit. Um, it's just mostly just because it's different. I'm not used to it, and also because sometimes it, it takes me out of it more than just blending into it. But it's probably fine. Le so eventually, you know, Penelope gets out of Peppy's grip as we revealed what our setting is. It's the Louvre. Yes, they're gonna have a Peppy Le Pew cartoon take place in the Louvre. Which conceptually, that's a good idea. That works. It works because, as we as we saw in in Pack in Action, Looney Tunes playing with paintings is funny. That well, can be it funny. Can be. Can be funny yes. if given to the right people. And there's just things in the first forty five seconds of Ren the Louvre that annoy me. Number one, what is that music? Yeah, and immediately I figured out it was off. Um, like, it, 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 I know the sound effects got worse after the studio broke up, but dear God, this is a really sucky sound effect for Pepe's bounce. And first of all, this isn't even... Bill Lava hasn't even gotten here yet. We're still pre-Lava. So we're magma, if so, you will. Um, so the... <laughs> thank you, thank you. So um, the theory, the theory is that... Because uh, Mo Franklin, he... He passed away around around the time they made this cartoon. So this was one of Milt's last cartoons that he composed. Because Bill Lava, at the beginning of Bill, at the very beginning of Bill Lava's career, his music wasn't bad because he was emulating Milk Franklin. So yes. he couldn't be bad. It was only after he had to be a Lean music composer. Oh, I'm doing it over my own name again. Good, I can suck. Uh, yeah. So I mean. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, ding, 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 ding. The strings of that, they aren't strings anymore. I'm not sure what the hell that instrument is. It sure as hell ain't strings. It's, uh, that threw me out. And the second thing that that got me a little bit annoyed is Penelope's reaction to Pepe in this, more than the other two, are very much she doesn't want to be here. Now, <laughs> that's the deal with all the Pepe Court. That's the whole thing. He stinks. She doesn't want to be there. But s- some moves they make, like Penelope says, Let's screech! Like that. Yeah. It's like she's screaming. Yeah. As she. It's. It doesn't look good. It, it yeah. really looks like she's really being put up against the skunk. Well, the good news is she's not in much of this one. She's not. No. 
No, but when she is, it's like, oh, yeah. Pepe, this because this seems rather bad, dude. Yeah. Well, the, well, the good news is, is that John Dunn decided that the the, the crux of the humor wasn't going to come from what the crux of the humor has been in all the Pepe Le Pew cartoons, which is Pe Penelope being chased by Pepe. No, the crux of the humor here is Pepe passing things and and things wilting because he stinks. That's a good opening gag, but we get to the point where they're in the Louvre, and okay, Pepe's passing the statues, and all the statues and artwork is reacting. We already covered that. That's ground that we've already been over. And the fact that it both starts, is in the middle of, and ends this cartoon proves they were more confident in that than they were about the actual chase, which is what the cartoons, the initial cartoons, were built off of. If anybody's going to tell you about how important a chase is, it's Chuck fucking Jones. And again, this is co-directed by Maurice Noble, so maybe this was an instance where Maurice did most of the work and Chuck yeah. just went, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to go do some MGM fun. cartoons. You kids have fun. Though there is the painting gag, which I made this from the Fast Island. I made it here. I do like this gag where... So do I. You know, Pelopi's in a corner and Pepe's like, ah, yes, yeah, I, I, I love the arts. I'm a very... And then stand right there as I paint you as Penelope leaves and then we cut back and he's painted a smoke cloud over I it. Love like, that. Oh, you moved. I've always remembered That's that one. Gag. It's really good. That's a good gag. And then the cartoon just stops dead. Yeah. That's literally what happened. Because instead of focusing on the actual Penelope and Pepe conflicts, we are bringing back this fucking cat who was in a second of the cartoon and because he was involved with the chase, I thought, knowing the last one, that he wouldn't be involved in the rest of the cartoon. But no, he comes back um, with a pin on his nose. The cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. <laughs> he was right there in the cartoon the very next day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this initial visual of, of this cat stomping back into the museum full of air is pretty goofy. But instead, we have this minute-long, too-talky scene where... Pepe is, is trying to do this sort of superiority thing against the cat while the cat is also turning all these sorts of colors and, and running out of air. I mean, they cut this out of Fantastic Island, and thank God, because the kids would have fallen asleep. But it just goes on way too long, and it's not funny. I mean, there's some deliveries I like. I like Pepe saying, We are very brave, monsieur. Like, okay, that, that was a fun read, but like, we're, again, it's a reminder of the things to come. Instead of focusing on slapstick and humor, we're focused on simple simple shots. We're not only moving the camera. It's very just talking. Yeah. It's just talking because you can have Pepe Le Pew talking is easier to animate and cheaper to animate than having actual gags go on. Yeah. And it's... It's so it's so dull, and I mean I will say it would have been fun if like because he, he's he's trying to be a duel. That's what he's doing. It would have been funny as like as he's doing this, he goes over to an art exhibit that has like a gun, and it's like ah yes, and see, and then they would do this bang, and then he, like, he shoots yeah. he shoots the cat. The cat goes flying, blowing all the air out, and that's the end of the cat. <laughs> that would have been all gag, but yeah. instead. That the cat just runs out of air and runs out of the Louvre. No, and even worse, when he, like, flies into the next room, he flies into the armory. And if this were the 50s, you would have a good sound effect with that. A lot of clattering, a crash. Here, oh. it's 
it's not a good it's 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 not nearly as funny as it would be with the earlier units it's just like a, a faint pieces of of what could be a crash it's 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 the funny sound effects were with the good people one thing i forgot to mention halfway through his monologue pepe just stops and he's he gets something in his teeth or something like he stops what he's doing and just stands there and moses around a bit and then continues yeah. i don't know what the hell that was but um it wasn't funny that's for sure it wasn't funny it was like hold on why is doing that and i think the the best thing i can say about this moment is that Pepe Le Pew's one-man show, Le Pew Adieu, closed after 50 performances off, 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 off Broadway. <laughs> yeah. So, Penelope has been hiding in the air conditioning vents this entire time. But before that... Oh. It's funny because Pepe, after the, after the, the other cat flies off screen, and after Penelope, who is still hiding in the air fence... Pepe looks at us around and goes, where is everybody? Yeah, good question. Like, <laughs> Pepe, as flawed as he is, needs people to work off. And if you're not going to let him chase after Penelope, what are you even doing? Also, once he eventually finds Penelope, he finds Penelope in the air conditioning unit. How did he even know she was in there? Is it just skunk intuition or some shit? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 we needed an ending to the cartoon. Well. And I remember this from last time. I'm already pissed off about this because what happens to this cat? She gets again. We don't see Penelope or um. Oh God, hold on. We had this last Penelope cartoon with the uh, center of the Matterhorn, mm. where they're snowed in together now, and Telly speaking, she's uncomfortable. This one's worse because, like I said, this cat for, for in this cartoon for some reason, I can really feel this cat does not want to be here. Yeah. Like, where does want to be there? So the fact that this cartoon ends with with her and Pepe in the air vents in a small, compact space yeah, that's isn't good. great. That's not good. And we end with some even more art puns. More art jokes. And, and you know, we have the, the clocks go straight. And, and I, I remember... We talked about the painting with the slaves and how that seems a little bit insensitive. How uh, when when they hit the, the the stink, it turned into a racetrack, a race yeah. or something. Yeah, like a starting pistol or whatever. It it's again. It's like okay, instead of actually doing the chase, we go back to more Pepe screwing up the artwork gags. It's like they were really confident about that and not confident about the actual thing that the Pepe Le Pew cartoons are based off of. Like, what are we even doing here? And the very last moment of Pepe Le Pew in the classic era is Mona Lisa saying, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep this smile. Waka waka. Which I actually, that does seem like a Muppets gag. They would have like a puppet Mona Lisa. It would work in the Muppets though. Yeah, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work here. No. It just doesn't work here. Not at all. Uh, oh, God. This wasn't nearly as good as the other two. God, no. Um, some done staples here, like being too dialogue-focused, more simpler designs, and and I, I don't like how the cat was treated in this one. No. Like, 
Like, okay, I'll say this, right? Her, Claude or Pierre or whatever the fuck, he's trying to save her, right? That's why he went to the Louvre? Yeah, to, I think. To combat the skunk? Because she's his friend? He's kind of not the... In, in the case of, am I the asshole for going to the Louvre to find out a skunk to save my friend? Pierre's not the asshole here. No. Uh-huh. And and yeah, the the ending doesn't look good for Pepe. No, and it's just look, it's just yeah. John Dunn lost the plot. They gave yeah. John Dunn a Pepe Le Pew script, or they gave him a Pepe Le Pew cartoon to write, and he thought the jokes came solely from him smelling bad and not from the chase, which is what Chuck always emphasized. We barely get much of a chase. A lot of this is too talky, too drawn out, not funny enough. This was badly written, which, again, from a guy that Frizz Freeling said was one of the best writers we ever did. Fuck you, Frizz. <laughs> He's not. We've proven time and time again he isn't. And it's not going to be like we're going to find one. It's going to be like, hey, this John Dunban is actually better than the other three. He's not. He's ruining all of these cartoons. While there were some good gags, it's not even a very good Pepe Le Pew cartoon. And remember, we were lukewarm on Pepe at best before this. We had There were some good Pepe Le Pew cartoons in this. We had some very good ones before. But it's just... it. Not even Pepe Le Pew could make John Dunn good in, in this era. All, all I gotta say is, and I'm not saying that I would love to see a John, but hey, it's so fascinating. I'm saying like, wait, what's the Looney Tunes character that we hate? We don't like Foghorn Leghorn that much. Uh, Has say. he... Okay. Banty Raid. Did he write Banty Raid? I can check. Look that shit up. I'm thinking like, okay, what's like the worst thing his character that we don't like? Foghorn Leghorn. Give, give John Dunn that. Actually, no. That's McKimson. Oh, shit. What, what, written and directed by? Yeah. Oh, that poor, poor fool. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, okay. Well, I, I don't know. It's a simple case of we liked Transylvania 65,000. We liked that. We liked that cartoon. Yeah. I so don't did. know how. I don't know how. It, it, it's on to a point now where did, did Chuck write half of that cartoon? Like, what's, the, what's going on here? Because that's, like that's the only good one. Maybe a blind squirrel finds a nut once. Well, I don't think John Dunn wrote much ado about nothing, but we <laughs> get there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Another stinker from the writings of John Dunn. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> the writings of John Dunn are so bad that I almost die. Oh, um, that's no. great. Well, I'm sure they'll, they'll. I'm sure they'll dedicate a Looney Tunes film to you. <laughs> Whatever you do, have it be written by a competent Looney Tunes person. We got What's it. What's that, John okay, Dunn? fellas, bring in the writers. All right, fellas, bring the writers from Space Jam: New Legacy. God oh! damn it! <laughs> we already been over that. Yeah. All right, so uh, I'm giving this short um, two out of five anvils. That's exactly what I'm giving it. It's 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 it has one or two good moments and some good gags, but 
God, John Dunn. Why the fuck did Frizz like John Gunn so much? What was his deal? What was it? I want to know that because I don't. I genuinely don't understand it. All right, let's see what you guys had to say about these Pepe Le Pew shorts. Seeing as this is a Pepe Le Pew uh, episode, there were obviously a lot of comments. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, Jacob Isenga. Uh, I think he's commented on our stuff before. Uh, who says, I like them all. Sentimental Romeo is my favorite. It's a funny and cute little short that solidifies the formula. It defines Pepe's look for Sentimental uh, uh, Pepe. Still looks a bit like proto-Pepe in Sentimental Reasons. Two Cents is also cute with Pepe uh, piercing with the ek ek of love. Yeah, no, um, we liked uh, Sentimental Romeo, I think. Um, it's yeah. Again, it's early enough that the, the formula isn't as ironed on as it needs to be. Um, but, you know, they make a lot of work in that one. All right, we have a comment here from... Uh, let's do John. We have a comment here from John at John Aethestein. Aethestein. Okay, that's a, that's a lot of letters. Who says that Pepe is a really charming character and those shorts are classics of Looney Tunes with the exception of the last. Yep. Uh, simplistic in their plot, but very fun and lovely in their execution. Pepe and Penelope make a fun pair to follow through the beautiful, done landscapes of Paris. And mm. they want to state their thoughts on each of the shorts. So, Sentimental Romeo is one of the great Pepe Le Pew shorts. Love the gags and the fake room. Yeah, the tunnel of love. Pepe singing babyface. Penelope racking yes. with the mallet. And the bittersweet ending really wrapped this short in an overall excellent bow. Agreed. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. We liked that one a lot. Yeah. Two Cents Worth is a fun one with a creative beginning with the robber painting the stripe on Penelope. I like that. I like the opening of that one too, yeah. The following is funny gag after gag with the highlights being Pepe's little quips. I got all the A's in gym. Yeah. I don't kind of remember that line, but sure. Uh, a really fun short with a lot of different action and gags. Yeah, no, I thought that one was all right too. And for Louvre Come Back to Me, despite its fun <laughs> painting and sculpture gags, along with Pepe narrating his own fight slash death, it's lacking in the charm and simplicity that the other shorts have. Yeah. Thanks, John Dunn. Yeah. One of the lesser Pepe shorts for the series to end with. Yeah, really, it went out with, with a whimper. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We got another one here from uh, Names LeCat at LeCat Production who says, uh, Sentimental Romeo has a lot of cute fun moments and funny gags. The Boatwright one, this this user points out, is really good. Mm -hmm. Two Cents Worth is my favorite of the three listed. I think we ended up liking that one. I forget. You see, we recorded this like six weeks ago. I forget if um, if I like this one better than Sentimental Romeo, but um, they like uh, Two Cents Worth the best. has one of the cutest endings of any Pepe short. Well, yeah, it's nice. <clears throat> and they agree with everybody else that Louvre Come Back to Me is the uh, weakest of his catalog, dull and forgettable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, for uh, your comments this week. Uh, Pepe Le Pew is a beloved character, and uh, clearly you all agree with it. <laughs> exactly. All right. So before we go into what we're covering next week, we'd like to first thank our patrons for giving to That's Not Quite Old Folks Patreon that we plug at the end of every episode. We'd like to thank James Irish, Andrew, Triscrew, and Samuel Adams, the person, not the drink. Thank you very much for your support, guys. 
All right, Mark, are there any John Dunn cartoons next week? No, Jorn, because next month is April. Mm. The fourth month of the year. Mm. And I can't think of a better time to look at us at an era of shorts that you've been dying for us Thank to cover. God. So. The 60s. No. <laughs> no. 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 no, no, no. We're doing uh, we're doing a little bit of time uh, on this podcast and talking about an era of Looney Tunes filmmaking I've been wanting to do for a while. We are talking about 1940s Looney Tunes filmmaking that includes the works of Clampett, Avery, Tashlin, early Freeling, early Jones, early McKimson, I suppose, early Art Davis, I suppose, and just going about what made these such classics that they had to influence a lot of the Looney um, stuff. That we're still getting today with Looney Tunes cartoons and such. I am excited to finally do this because we're sort of coming back slightly from our bug centrism and our Chuck Jones centrism. And I think it'll do us some good. All right. So the first episode that we're covering are vintage Daffy and Porky cartoons. All right. Everyone talk talk about influences for Looney Tunes cartoons. These are definitely those. Good. So once we're covering... Are Duck Soup to Nuts. Okay. Yankee Doodle Daffy. Good. Finally. Finally. And Daffy Duck Hunt. Ah. So we get a nice little um, group of these, and I think that they'll be a lot of fun to go through and have a good time with. And, you know, the the people who've been clamoring for us to do 40 stuff and vintage Daffy and Porky, uh, finally we'll get what they want. Alright, that's the end of this week's show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkHalem1995. And you can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you want to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony on Twitter or Instagram, or type in the podcast title, We Are The First Result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Uh, our YouTube channel, we upload uh, bi-monthly. We do antimatic uh, videos on uh, bits from episodes. Um, you can subscribe to that. You can also find us on Patreon and support our endeavor to give you loony material all the time. Um, our Patreon! <laughs> yes, please. We have several different tiers, so if you don't want to donate too much money, we have a $1 tier, a $5 tier, a $3 tier. Uh, the more t- um, the higher tiers do get you access to commentaries, live streams, early cuts of episodes, um, other special material that we're cutting just for you. We have these new tiers and missions and, and goals that we're trying to reach thanks to Patreon. Uh, we are really trying to get um, Patreon going. So hopefully, uh, if you're able to help us out, we can. One of the first goals we have, actually, is... So, we, we've covered pretty much all Looney Tunes movies, including Space Jam New Legacy. But we haven't covered, arguably, the very first Looney Tunes film, which was our Bugs Bunny Superstar. Now, we can't do an episode on that, because it's a documentary. So it would kind of be, like, awkward. But we, what we are planning, is that when we hit a certain goal, is we're going to do a commentary on it. So, so if we just turn them out, we'll uh, we'll comment on Bugs Bunny Superstar and have some fun riffing on why Orson Welles is there and how <laughs> much Bob Clampett influenced the filmmakers by slipping them five hundred dollar bills or whatever. Here under protest is Bob Clampett. Get me a jury and 
Tell me how Bob Clampett created bugs and I'll make cheese for you. Alright, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And if the descendants of John Dunn are listening to this, I'd like to wholeheartedly apologize that you have to be related to him. Good night.